Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Business Life and Coffee Show. This week, we're introducing our new show called Winning at Work. The difference between Winning at Work and Business Life and Coffee is that A, it's live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. B, it's interactive, so you can join and interact with us on LinkedIn, Periscope, Facebook, wherever you consume your streaming media. And C, it's all about winning in the workplace, as opposed to BLC's conversations about entrepreneurship sometimes and life goals. So check out Winning at Work every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern on social media outlets. And check out this episode with Mac Brichard on winning at work and the importance of communication. Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Winning at Work. It is a live broadcast featuring my good friend, Mac Prashard, over at Max List. And this is a cross-country episode because I'm here on the East Coast in Baltimore. And Mac, why don't you tell everybody where you are today? I'm coming to you from Portland, Oregon in the Pacific Northwest. Excellent. Mac, I'm glad you are able to join me today. And I'm really grateful that we connected and you've had me on your show in the past uh, a few years ago. So good people, you just want to keep them around, right? That's a part of winning at work is uh, having a really good network. Just going to say thank you for having me on your show, Joey. And it was a pleasure to have you on my program as well. We still see several hundred downloads a month for your interview. Oh, that is amazing. That's amazing. I think it's cool in this digital age where you can create content and you'll impact lives that you'll never, ever see. So hundreds of downloads each month. And I don't know each of them by name at all, but definitely thank you for those who've tuned in. It it is remarkable when you create content like this, that you can help so many people, whether it's through LinkedIn Live or podcasts or just good old fashioned blog posts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the dynamic is changing. More people are gravitating to the audio and the video as opposed to the spoken word or the written word rather. And now AR and VR is commanding people's attention for uh, where they go to, to get content. So it's uh, exciting times in, in technology, for sure. What uh, w- Typically, people will say, you know, what are you reading? But as I just mentioned, people read books, they read blogs, they listen to podcasts, watch TV and YouTube. What, are you, what kind of content are you consuming these days? I just finished a book by Linda Berry. She's a cartoonist, originally from the Seattle area. She teaches now at the University of Wisconsin. It's about creativity and it's called What It Is. And it's a graphic novel. And she has three parts, Joey. One is an autobiography about her growing up as the daughter of a Filipina immigrant in the Seattle area. But it's also about about art and it's about writing and she provides practical exercises you can use to to get better as a writer and it's about 200 pages it's again a graphic novel it's just beautiful to look at and it's it's uh inspiring to read and it, and it's got good exercises you can use to become a better writer i may need to take a look at that uh what what was what's been a big takeaway f- from that book for you one thing i've learned by listening to a few podcast interviews with uh, Linda Berry, because I often do that when I'm taken by a book. I'll find the author on podcasts and, and listen to interviews. She talks about, she's a cartoonist, about how drawing is just, a, it's something, it's it's like another language. And it's something that we all want to do and are good at, but we stopped doing in childhood. And 
she says that we do it because drawing is only about what she calls representational art, but it can take many forms and it's something you can return to later in life. And I just love her point about that, not only about drawing, but she makes the same point about writing too. You know, we can all be creative. It's there and it's a muscle. We just have to exercise it. I love that. I love that. As a uh, as a creative who plays music more than any sort of art out there, uh, I know and can remember the times where I maybe have brought art home and uh, <laughs> it wasn't that great. So my parents didn't put on a fridge or whatever. And so you just kind of shy away from things that don't seem fruitful. But there is value in creativity and just the creative process. And I'm sure the book went in, into things like that. But that's a really cool, it's a really cool book. I'm going to have to check it out. One last point I'd make, she talks about creativity. She says, when you draw it, it's a way of taking yourself out of yourself and disconnecting in a positive, energetic way from the world. And so when you, you draw or write, you go into a state of flow and, and then it's a way of re-energizing. And, and that's something I think we all need right now, not but throughout life in general, but particularly now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, COVID, big thing. A lot of social issues happening. It's a big thing. Political tides are turning. That's a that's a really big thing as well. So so all the more reason for us to really just like find ways to self-care and disconnect and re-energize ourselves. Agreed. These are tumultuous times. Yeah. Yeah. And on, and on this episode of Winning at Work, we want to talk about something that happens in the midst of tumultuous times is you have to talk. Um, you have to have communication. And more specifically, uh, we want to talk about communication at work. And so if you have any questions for Mac or myself, uh, wherever you're watching this, go ahead and drop it in the chat. We won't be able to see, uh, we won't be able to type and respond, but we will respond to your question on air for the duration of this interview. So uh, if you have questions about communication at work, questions about things that come up as we're on the show, feel free to chime in. So I want to start at something big, uh, Mac. There's research that says, 72% of employees do not fully understand their company's strategy. And I would assume that this is a stat that was pre-COVID, you know, bef before the world turned upside down. So that number is probably larger now. But what do you think about that stat? What, what's the first thing that comes to mind? That it's so important that people do understand their company's mission. Because the organizations I see that are most successful have people throughout the organization who understand what not only what the company's mission is, but how their role fits into it. And as you know, I run a regional job board in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, we serve employers and job seekers in Oregon and Washington. And we've had more than 3,000 companies uh, post jobs on our site over the years. And the ones that consistently that we see that people want to work for are companies that are not only financially successful, but are clear about their mission and the roles that uh, workers inside those organizations play in, in making that mission happen. Yeah. And, and I would imagine that those organizations have a longstanding relationship with your board. So you can kind of see the momentum that's happening, right? You can see if they're hiring a lot of people, you can see if they're repeat customers. And why do you think that brands succeed when they communicate better? Because Everybody, no matter what their occupation, wants their work to have purpose and meaning. When you rattled off that statistic, Joy, I was reminded of research that I, I saw, uh, I think earlier this year, about two hospitals and the support staff that worked there. And in one of them, the janitors saw their job not just as 
keeping the halls clean and the building in good order, but they saw the connection between what they did and patients' health and safety. And that made them feel so different about their job and it made it more rewarding. And obviously that's a real connection. If a, a building is well-maintained and clean and it's those are factors that are really important in health and, and in recovery if uh, you're in a hospital. In another hospital, the janitors, the custodial staff didn't see that connection and they were less satisfied with their work and they were less and they weren't as happy. So when you see that connection, it makes a difference. And for an organization that is able to make those connections, they're going to retain their workers longer. People are going to be more productive and they're going to be more engaged. And again, we in our job board, we certainly see that the companies that are clear about their mission and uh, the role that workers play in accomplishing that mission attract more applications, are seen as a desirable, more desirable places to work. And those are places people want to go. Mac, I love that. I love that so much because what it does is it takes the stigma away from feeling like employees are only there for a paycheck. Uh, when you are able to cast vision and people can find their role in an organization, it's less about how much is deposited into the bank account on Friday and more about what people are excited to do on Monday. Everybody wants their work to have meaning. And sometimes I, I, I meet people who think that the only way to do that is to take on a, a social service job. Mm -hmm. And those Positions are important, uh, and you can make a big difference in uh, the community where you live and work. But that's not the only way to make a difference. You there, uh, every job offers that opportunity, but you have to have an organization that cultivates and rewards that. Yeah, absolutely. And cultivating or rewarding that—it's it, not just the uh, touchy feely side of it, too, right? There's actually a business case for the communication and having effective communication and employees feeling connected. Uh, McKinsey and Company says employee productivity increases by 20 to 25% in organizations where employees are connected. That's a big deal. What do you think about that, Mac? I think that's always important, but especially now when so many of us are working remotely, particularly people in, in white collar professions. You, in order for an organization to thrive and succeed, you have to create and strengthen teams. And communication is just integral to that. So uh, I, I think that's, uh, it, it seems like an obvious fact, but it's, it's so important. Yeah. Jumpstart HR is changing the face of the HR industry with their outsourcing, project consulting, and phone support. Enabling startups and small businesses to outsource their HR needs from anywhere in the U.S., from new business and legal compliance to employee performance management and outplacement services. Within the business community, Jumpstart HR is a trusted and reliable service. In fact, companies like Forbes, HR.com, and Inc. Magazine have all featured Jumpstart HR for their easy-to-use hourly, monthly, and on-call support that is tailored specifically to each client's needs. This saves clients like you a lot of time and money. To learn more, schedule your free HR evaluation today at jumpstart-hr.com contact. 
So, Mac, let's let's kind of go through some of the ways that we communicate with uh, employees at work. And I'd actually like to start in your area of expertise, which is on the recruiting side. A lot of employers underlook or undervalue that first line of communication, which I believe are the job description, the website and social media. Where do you think are some great opportunities for employers to grow their communication uh, when it comes to job boards, uh, website, and social media? I think it begins, Joey, with the job posting. And because a well-written job posting makes all the difference. Uh, You've got to have a title that is easily understood, not only by people inside the organization, but by the civilians outside. It, It it can't be for an internal audience alone. And when you have a clear job title, you're going to uh, attract the candidates you want. When you're writing the posting itself, you need to talk about what the job requires. There's always a little bit of a wish list in there, but it really should be about the day-to-day responsibilities, not all the things you hope to get. And I think it's so important to include a salary range because when you put a price tag in effect on a job, you're sending a clear message both internally and outside the organization, about what someone can expect to get if they do this work. And that's going to help you, get again, attract the right kinds of candidates. I also want to say something about internal communication and how hiring works. As you know, Joey, referrals are so important in the hiring process. And I would challenge your uh, people who are tuning in today to reflect on that. If they've ever been involved in hiring, they've almost always sent a posting on to someone else, trusted colleague or uh, a mentor saying, send good people my way. And the reason yeah. people do that is because they want to reduce risk and they're going to have more confidence in a candidate who comes via referral than one who comes in cold. That doesn't mean that you can't get the position if you don't have a connection, but your candidacy is going to be much stronger if you do. And so I would say in terms of communication uh, and internally, recognize that that is something you're going to do as a hiring manager and ask your employees for referrals and reward them for it. Offer uh, bonuses for referrals, because if somebody inside your organization vouches for a candidate, that's you know that that person is going to be a a strong candidate. And those are the kinds of people you want to hear from. Yeah, I I think research shows that most uh, hires are made through referrals, even if employees are applying through job board and interviewing and, and going through the process. The way that they get there is because they know someone on the inside. And so it's very critical, uh, Floyd, if they want to win at work, to uh, have that network of people that they can rely on um, when they're job hopping or job searching, rather. Uh, we, we have a comment here from Sharon and LinkedIn. She says, so often I see job descriptions that are a culmination of tasks current employees no longer want to do rather than a thoughtful reflection of what's best for that role. Mac, you are the job board guru here, so I want you to take a crack at this. Is this what you're seeing, and is that a helpful way to recruit? Well, I think the best way to recruit is to be clear about what you want as the manager, and you need to draft that job description, and don't keep it secret. Show it to your colleagues. Show it to your team. And the person that you might have left and in and get their input, you shouldn't make it up all by yourself. But the it a good job posting describes the actual 
tasks that the position requires. And there may be some new tasks that are when a, a position changes, sometimes it's it's redefined, but it, it should be an accurate reflection of the day-to-day work that the company needs to have done. Yeah. I, I re- read the comment and, it, and it, it almost feels like that's a negative of it being the culmination of tasks that current employees no longer want to do. I think that there is a healthy balance though. You need to have when you, when you think about hiring, and, and there was a great, McColl and Kirsten Griggs did a webinar on don't hire individuals, or maybe McColl wrote an article on don't hire individuals, hire team players. And you have to think about a job in the context of the key players uh, on that team. And so if there are tasks and duties that team members don't want to do, it could be because they're not good at it and they need to find someone who is good at it. Uh, I say that in um, in relationship to the fact that every role should be pretty clear cut, right? Like a staff accountant in one location should have similar job duties as a staff accountant in another. But there are some blurred lines sometimes where a, a manager is taking a look at what team do we have assembled and then what are the ideal pieces that we need to go out into the marketplace and find or uh, that we need to upskill in our organization? I think that's right. And when you do have a transition on a team, uh, it's an opportunity to refine the roles and, and redefine them if necessary. Uh, and if there are tasks that some team members have been struggling with and you can find someone to take them on and allow that ex- current team member to, to play to their strengths, you're going to have a stronger team as a result. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you're one of those employees that is already on the team, uh, you, you have to look at even the, the tasks that no one wants to do and maybe say, how can I show my value to the organization by stepping up and doing some of those tasks? Because when I think about what there are conversations all across the board these days about furloughs and um, layoffs, and it's the unfortunate reality of where we are. And if there are tasks out there that need to be done that no one wants to do, I would lean into those. I may not enjoy it, but to show you, I will do these tasks. And I'm not saying to do things that um, are so outside of the realm of, of scope of what you're typically asked to do in your role. But maybe if there's like a, a paper that needs to be done or uh, recurring duties that need to be done, consider consider winning at work by saying, hey, I'll take that on. I'll be a team player. What, what do you think, Mac? I think that's excellent advice. And I've certainly seen people have success by taking on jobs no one else wanted to do. And these are often difficult tasks and, and as a result are unpopular. But if you take on a job like that and you succeed, you're going to uh, going to have um, you're positioning yourself for success in that organization. I mean, I, I'll say, Joey, in my own career, I worked in communications and government and politics for many years, and I often took jobs nobody else wanted. What does that mean? Well, I once was for six months the spokesperson for a state division of motor ve- motor vehicles, the DMV which was going through some painful changes. They had wait lines out the door that lasted three, four hours. And my job as the spokesperson for the agency was to communicate the changes that we were making. And we solved the problem. We got the wait times down to 10 minutes. Not great, but better than three and a half hours. And when I took that job, people said, why would you do that? That sounds like a lot of hard work. And it was. (laughs) 
uh, and it was difficult, but I was fortunate to go to work for a agency director who was making some hard changes. And so when problems are getting solved and your job is to communicate the changes that are happening and, and the results you're producing, while it's difficult in the beginning, it's actually a pretty rewarding job. And I came out of that position. I, I got an offer to go to the governor's office because I'd done a very good job in a difficult position. So it's hard, but it is when there are jobs that nobody else wants to do. Sometimes that can be an opportunity that can lead to, to bigger and better things down the road. Oh, yeah. Everybody loves a problem solver. No matter what role you're in, no matter what organization you're in, if you're a problem solver, if you can take the bull by the horns and be solutions oriented, uh, you will succeed. Um, we've got about seven more minutes on the show. And if you have questions or want to add to the discussion, definitely wherever you're watching this, drop it in the chat. would love to invite you into the conversation. But Mac, we're talking about difficult conversations. What are some of the difficult conversations that employees have at work? And what are some coaching or advice that you give if you're if someone watching this finds themselves in the middle of a difficult conversation? I think some common examples of difficult conversations, Joey, include you know having to to uh, let somebody go, saying no to a raise or promotion that someone has their heart set on, dealing with uneven or poor performance, and or perhaps dealing with a a coworker who you're having uh, difficulty communicating with. Whatever the case might be, I think there are some common principles that apply in all of those situations, and they include being uh, first preparing for those meetings. Uh, you need to have a plan. It's an important business meeting, and just as you would prepare before a presentation or if you're a job searcher before a job interview, you've got to sit down and, and think about how the conversation is going to unfold, what you're going to say, and, and what are the outcomes you want for it. So invest the time in planning. If it's a particularly hard conversation, you may want to do some role playing. Uh, if, if you're a manager, for example, getting ready to have a conversation with someone about uh, saying no to a raise or even dealing with the, uh, a dismissal. Role playing with a colleague can, can help you prepare and give you confidence. And you want to anticipate as you both plan and do that role playing, the likely questions you're going to get from the person you're talking to. So I think having a plan, doing preparation, and being clear about the specific actions that you want to see happen at the end of the conversation are three key principles that you need to keep in mind. Mac, we could mic drop on on those because uh, they're really, really good. And I am a big fan of the role playing and mapping out because you just never know, especially in a difficult conversation, when something could go way left. And if you game plan for that in a role playing scenario or talking it over with someone who's had to lead those conversations before, you'll be more prepared, especially if it's something like being in a, a termination conversation where you never know if someone is going to cry. You never know if someone is going to just uh, need a minute and just be still. Mm -hmm. You never know if they're going to flip tables and mm -hmm. just destroy the break room. And especially in Zoom, you know, uh, or in the Zoom world and where everything is, is remote now, how will that person take the news over video or over the phone and be empathetic and understanding to that? So this role playing is a major, major way to win in the difficult conversation because you're just you're, you're you're making sure that you've accounted for every possible reaction 
I'm sure you remember this movie, Joey. It was called Moneyball, and it was yep. about a baseball. You're right. And do you remember that the manager says to the data analyst, you want to work in sports management, you, you're going to have to fire somebody. So let's role play that. And do you recall that scene where the fellow tries to fire the, the manager and and all these objections come up and he completely loses control of the conversation? Uh, it, I'm sure there's a video of it on YouTube. You might want to link to it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great example of how role playing can help you prepare for objections. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try to find that video and, and drop it in so people can, can get some content. That was a really good movie. But you're right. You just never know how things will go because as much as you think you know someone, you don't really, really know. I, I mean, I've had... Gosh, I've had times where I've had to have termination conversations and then I didn't realize that, oh, by the way, I have to go by their house and collect a laptop. And, you know, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm rolling up on this person's house. You never know what elements could exist. You never know uh, how they're feeling. And and thankfully, things worked out. But it's like, oh, my goodness, I'm in the back of an Uber and I'm waiting to get this this laptop and cell phone from this guy. What are all of the scenarios that could go wrong? Um, There are a lot of them. Yeah, there are. (laughs) It's, it's always good to have a checklist. Most HR departments have them. And if you're getting ready for that conversation as part of your preparation, I encourage you, if your company doesn't have a checklist, uh, to create one. And that includes things like returning keys and turning over passwords and laptops. I got to ask, Joey, what happened when you went to get the laptop? I'm sure the listeners are wondering, too. <laughs> so when I, when I went and I uh, – so first of all, I had to fly in to do this. So if you've ever seen the movie Up in the Air, where um, I think it's Mel Gibson or someone, he, he goes and his job is just to terminate people. Uh, it was something like that, uh, where I had to fly in, I had a conversation with the individual. And the sad part is that I didn't make the decision to terminate the individual, but unfortunately, um, the manager did. And I had just done the approval letter for their mortgage. So it's not like I'm terminating someone who, you know, doesn't have a big life change. This person literally just closed on their mortgage uh, about a week ago. And then I have to fly and terminate. So you could imagine there are all sorts of things going on in my head. Like, is he going to retaliate or what have you? But all I did was, thankfully, it worked out. But I, I told the, the Uber driver, I said, hey, I am going to this person's house. I have to retrieve belongings. I'm going to stand on this side of the car and I'm going to ask him to come up so that I'm like, I don't have to go into a house. I don't have to do anything that would kind of take our position in his favor and uh, where there's a witness, right? Just in case anything crazy happened. So that's what happened. I stood on the uh, driver's side of the car. The person walked up and, um, you know, I'm assessing the situation, making sure that there weren't any any guns or anything. And he was very he was very cordial, very polite. Uh, I was very grateful that it, it went as well as could be expected. But um, you just you just never know. You just never, never know. Yeah. And as part of having this difficult conversation, if it involves termination, often having a, another person in the room, uh, particularly from the either the, the program or the HR department can be helpful. I because I think that can help bring the, the help manage the emotions. Uh, not Absolutely. Always, but it, it can help. Absolutely. And, and I think that would be our, our closing tip 
uh, for the show is if you have a difficult conversation, don't be afraid to pull someone else in on it because you just never know. And sometimes having that person in the room can help prevent uh, something from happening. So Mac, you have any, any last words to share? I really enjoyed having you on the program. It's been a pleasure. It, we publish at Max List, our, our regional job board, lots of free advice for HR managers who are doing hiring. Our mission is to make hiring more huma- human. And we do that through providing great content to hiring managers and job seekers, as well as our job board. And I also host uh, a weekly podcast called Find Your Dream Job. Every week I talk to a different expert like you, Joey, about the nuts and bolts of job hunting. You can find that free content at maxlist.org or our website at maxlist.org slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcast episodes. All right. And thank you for this episode of Winning at Work. We'll be back next week at four o'clock with another special guest. So follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, Go ahead and find Joey Price on LinkedIn and give it a follow. And also wherever you watch this, if it's on Facebook or Periscope, why don't you drop a like, give a share, share this conversation with someone that will be impacted by it and keep winning at work.